trust that you do. Take it and turn with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 and uh, also Genesis chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 11 and Genesis chapter number 6. It's a tremendous crowd and uh, thank you for spending this special day with us. Father's Day 2019 and I know uh, many of you... Have some things going on. Let me just ask: uh, How many of you have you have a little get together with the family this afternoon? Raise your hand, please. All right, many of you do, and uh, hope it's a great, great day. And, and uh, treat Dad right today, Amen. Uh, who are you laughing at, Brother Mackey? <coughs> is, that, is that an anomaly at your house, or what? Uh, <laughs> uh, Hebrews chapter eleven. Hebrews chapter number eleven, and we'll begin there. Stand with me, please, for the reading of God's Word, Hebrews chapter number 11, and we'll read just one verse there, and then we'll go back to Genesis chapter number 6. Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 7, the Bible says, By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, notice what he says, moved with fear, prepared an ark, and this is what I want you to get here, to the saving of his house, to the saving of of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. Now, if you'll turn back to Genesis chapter 6 with me, Genesis chapter number 6, verse number 8 says, But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in all his generations, and Noah walked with God. It's interesting, right after that comes this verse, and Noah begat three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. I want to preach to you this morning a little bit of an unusual Father's Day message, but the title this morning is simply this, Father Noah, Father Noah. And let's pray together. Our Father, I pray that you'd help us in these few moments that we'll spend in your word. I pray that it would be profitable. I pray that it would be beneficial. Father, my heart uh, is heavy for the homes of our church, for the homes of our country. Uh, Father, as the home goes, so goes the church. And as the church goes, so goes the nation. And I pray that you'd help us this morning as we try to be a blessing and a challenge I pray that I'd have the right kind of spirit this morning as uh, your spirit. I yield myself to you, and, and uh, I pray that you'd help us to be a blessing. If there's one here this morning, Father, who doesn't know Jesus as his or her personal Savior, I pray that today be the day of salvation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. I'll not have you turn to it, <coughs> but there's a, another verse that I want to read for you this morning, actually two verses. Actually, it's the last two verses of the Old Testament. In Malachi chapter number 4, just before the book of Matthew in your, book, in your Bible, if you, if you know the Bible chronologically, there are 400 years between the end of the Old Testament and the beginning of the New Testament. Sometimes they're called the silent years because there was no prophet during that time. There was no Bible revelation during those 400 years. But it's interesting to note that the last two verses of the Old Testament, I'll read them for you. The Bible says this. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And here's the last verse of the Old Testament. And he shall turn the hearts of the fathers 
to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. The Old Testament closes with a solemn and yet prophetical warning. The warning is of a breach between the fathers and their children. Fathers who do, who do not have the heart, or do, who do not have a heart for their children, and children who refuse to be instructed by their father. The wise man said in Proverbs, he said, My son, give me thine heart. He didn't say, Son, give me your mind. He didn't say, Son, give me your intellect. Solomon, inspired by the Holy Spirit, said in Proverbs, he said, My son, give me thine heart. But as we close the Old Testament, we find the warning given as, uh, as the, 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 the curtain closes on the Old Testament that God gives a warning. He said the day is going to come where there's going to be a rift, a breach, a break where fathers do not give children their hearts and children do not give their heart to their fathers. And he said the result of that is a curse. The result of that is chaos. The result of that is a society that unravels. And may I say on this, the Father's Day, June 16, 2019, we're witnessing that very thing in our society. The breakdown of the home has led to chaos in our society. In this generation, we have witnessed the destruction and the downgrading of the family and the home. Satan in this world's culture has aimed its arsenal at destroying the God-given role of the dad in the home. And let me say this, I understand this, is, this may not be your typical Father's Day Sunday morning message, but it's a necessary one. It's a necessary one. You see, there, there is no higher calling of father and mother. There's no higher calling than that. The very fabric of our society is the Christian home. The very fabric of our society is, is, uh, is dad in his rightful place in the home and mother in her rightful place in the home and children in their rightful place in the home. But our society is all about confusion. Satan is all about disrupting the, uh, the order that God ordained for the home. Our world system is so designed to mix everything up where there is no order and there is no uh, 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 distinction about what God said, how things ought to look in the home. But the authority of dad in the home in 2019 has been mocked. It's been mocked. It's been made fun of. It's been impugned. It's been maligned. Submission to any kind of authority in 2019 is discouraged and laughed at. The biblical roles in the home are ignored even by those who claim to believe the Bible. And then we wonder why we're in a mess. We wonder why there's confusion. We wonder why there's turmoil in our society. We wonder why things are turned upside down and there is no order. And uh, I, I know several, uh, I know personally several law enforcement officers and I, uh, Brother John Mayberry is here this morning. He's a, uh, a, a law enforcement officer and I've known, I've known many law enforcement officers and, uh, and many of them have told me firsthand, they said, you know what, it gets more and more difficult by the day and it stems from this lack of submission, lack of respect for authority in any role, and that transcends and translates to those who try to enforce the laws of our land. We're in trouble. The very fabric of our society has been worn down to the bare threads, and I'll tell you why. It all starts with the home. 
It all starts with the home. We've got to get back in Christian America today to dad having his rightful place in the home. May I say this morning, Father knows best. When I say Father knows best, I'm talking about our Heavenly Father. Our Heavenly Father knows what's best. He's the one who wrote the book. He's the one who, who ordained the order. And there's, a, there's an issue in our society, and it stems from a lack of submission. There's something in our sinful nature. There's something about our pride. And every single one of us, there's no sense in this preacher or anybody else for that matter, uh, looking pharisaical or, or thinking that this, that this doesn't apply to us. All of us have a pride issue. All of us have a problem with submitting to authority. Now, the devil knows that our flesh is like that. So you know what he's doing? He's capitalizing on that. Our world's culture is capitalizing on that aspect of our humanity and our sinful nature that doesn't want to submit, that doesn't want to put ourselves underneath uh, the, uh, the, uh, the, the umbrella of God's given uh, uh, line of authority in the world. But our, our Heavenly Father knows what's best. And He knows what's going to give us a strong church. He knows what's going to make our country great again. We talk about make America great again. I'll tell you what's going to make America great again is that book right there. What's going to make America great again is when we get back to the Judeo-Christian ethics that, that, uh, that our country was founded upon. And let me tell you something. All of the agnostics and the atheists and the humanists of our society and the college professors that make up the average university in America today, they want to malign that book and they want to throw it away and get rid of it. And they want to rewrite the history books. But let me tell you, America was great because America was founded on the principles of the Word of God. And the reason why America has lost her greatness is because we've strayed away from God's book, God's word. Father knows best. I've read the story of Noah many, many times, as you have. But it wasn't until late this week that I thought about the story of Noah in the context of Noah's role as a father. In fact, <coughs> there was, this was not intended to be the message this morning. This came about <laughs> yesterday, amen. I was thinking about Noah, <coughs> and I said, you know, I, I felt there was another message outlined ready to go, and I thought, that's, that's not it. I don't know what is, but I know that's not it. <laughs> but as I read the story of Noah, and I read the Hebrews' account of Noah and how that God used him as a great leader of faith, the thought hit me. Noah moved to the saving of his house. The saving of his house. Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 7, By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which was by faith. Did you see that? Noah was obedient to build an ark. Now, just as a, by way of introduction, God came to Noah and he said, Noah, I'm going to destroy the earth. He said the, the, the sin of mankind has gotten to a point where I've got to start over, Noah. Noah, I'm going to start over with you. And I'm paraphrasing, obviously. Noah, I'm going to start over with you. And Noah, I want you to go and I want you to build a big old boat, a big old ark, a big old barge, if you will. And because I'm going to flood the earth. Now, keep in mind, it had never rained before. Now, it wasn't like the last several weeks here where rain has become commonplace. You know, what time is it going to rain today? I don't know, but it will. <laughs> We praise the Lord for his goodness and providing and giving us exactly what we need when we need it. But the reality is it had never rained to that point. 
And so when God came to Noah and said, hey, Noah, I'm going to destroy the world by flood, Noah was probably scratching his head a little bit and saying, okay, I'm not sure how that's going to work, but okay. And Noah uh, was given instructions by God to build an ark, and God said, I want you to build it so high and so long and so wide, and gave him the, the specific measurements of it, and of course, told him the materials of which it was to be built. He said, it's going to be of gopher wood, and I want you to pitch it within and without, make it waterproof and all of that. And he gave him some very detailed instructions about the building of the ark. And Noah was obedient to build that ark to God's specifications. And then Noah preached salvation to others for 120 years while the ark was in construction. The Bible tells us in, in another passage that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. And, and day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, for 120 years, Noah preached, you better get on that boat when it's time to get on the boat or you're going to perish. You're going to die. Hey, you're going, to, you're going to perish in the flood. And Noah was the laughingstock of, of the community, I'm sure. And everybody, I'm sure Noah was the, the, the one. He was the sideshow. He was the freak down the street. And I'm sure people gathered to watch Noah and his crew build that boat. And, uh, uh, and they, I'm sure they laughed him to scorn and said, Noah, you're crazy. You're, you're, you're off your rocker, Noah. There's no way. There's no water around here. Oh, water's going to fall out of the sky. <laughs> That's a good one, Noah. But understand something. Yes, Noah was obedient. And I think it's safe to say that Noah's number one urgency in building that ark, according to Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 7, was, quote, the saving of his house. There was something about Noah as he drove those nails and as he sawed that gopher wood and as he built to the, specific, uh, to the specifications that God had given him for that ark, there was the urgency about it because I believe in the back of his mind, Noah was thinking, I've got to save my wife. I've got to save Ham. I've got to save Shem. I've got to save Japheth. I've got to save their spouses. Noah, his urgency, his motivation, the driving force behind it, I believe, according to Hebrews eleven seven, was the saving of his house. Here's a dad who said, if anybody else wants to get on board, I'm glad to have them. And I'll be faithful, and I'll preach, and I'll witness, and I'll go, and I'll, I'll, I'll tell people like it is, and I'll say, if you don't get on this boat when it's time to get on this boat, you're going to perish in the flood. But, hey, if everybody responds, or if nobody responds, hey, I just want those people who live under my house to respond. It was the burden of Noah the father, the saving of his house, the saving of his house. I want you to see something this morning, several things, and then we'll settle down and go to the house. Well, number one, I want you to see this morning, Noah trained children in a godless society. Noah trained his children in, don't miss this, a godless society. The Bible tells us, in fact, Jesus said during his life here on this earth, he says, he said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. He said they were marrying, they were giving marriage, everything was going along just as it always has. And, and Genesis chapter 6 tells us about the wickedness of the society. The Bible tells us that the, the uh, imagination of man's heart was only evil, and get this next word, continually. Everything about society in Noah's day was filthy, disgusting, perverted, rotten, immoral. Does that sound familiar? Does it sound familiar? 
But you understand as you read about the Noah about Noah and his and his narrative, you understand that Noah trained children to live for God in a godless society. That that jumped out at me. The world is bad now, but let me tell you, it was bad then too. Violence filled the earth, the Bible says. I'd say that child rearing in Noah's day was no picnic. <laughs> no picnic. Mom, Dad, let me tell you something. Your God-given responsibility is to bring up children and train them and teach them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. That's a high and holy calling. A high and holy calling. And it's a big-time job. And it's a full-time job. But I am saying this. It can be done in 2019. It, you say, well, well, preacher, it's a, this is a, it's a wicked society today. And I don't know, I mean, it's just, it almost seems inevitable. We're just kind of swept away by the current of all the filth and the garbage. You think it was any different in Noah's day? It was no different in Noah's day. Hey, let's, even, let, let, let's go even since Noah passed off the scene. You think it was different in Sodom and Gomorrah? Sodom and Gomorrah was a wicked place, a vile place. I'm saying society that has, there's always been wickedness ever since ever since man uh, 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 fell into sin ever since man ate the, uh, of the forbidden fruit and was thrust into a sinful nature let me tell you something it's always been a wicked world but for us to just throw in the towel as a dad throw in the towel as a mom and say well it, it is what it is and, and since hey we're when in rome do as the romans hey it's just it, it's inevitable no no it's not inevitable God give us some dads this morning with some grit and some determination and some and some chutzpah, for lack of a better term, to say, you know what? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Doesn't matter what everybody else is doing. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if if everybody's for the word of God or if no one's for the word of God. We're for the word of God. It doesn't matter if everybody's doing it or nobody's doing it. We're still going to live what's right. It doesn't matter if the whole world decides they're going to go off the deep end and go nutty and and uh, and uh, uh, whatever other term you want to use for that. Hey, it doesn't matter. We're still going to serve God. Noah trained children in a godless society. Yet, I'd say Noah did something right. He did something right. I'm saying it can be done in 2019. Kids can turn out for God in this generation. Preacher, this is just a different era. There's just so much temptation out there. There's such a pull from the world out there in our kids. It's just so hard out there right now. And you know what I'd say? All that's true. But you understand something? It was true in Noah's day, too. And it was true in Abraham's day. And it was true in Jesus' day. And it was true in Daniel's day. And it was true in David's day. Hey, and it was true for your grandpa and your great-grandpa and your great-great-grandpa. But, hey, somewhere along the line, somebody has seen fit to say, hey, we're just, we're just towing the line here. This is the way. Walk ye in it. We're just going to stay on that narrow path. We're just going to stay on that narrow way. Hey, the world can laugh at us. Other Christians can laugh at us. It doesn't matter. We're staying on the path. We're staying on the path. It's amazing how we tend to excuse ourselves because things are so much different now. Sure, it's difficult, but that's not a new thing. By the way, we still have the same Bible. By the way, we still have the same God. We still have the same Holy Spirit living inside of us. We have the same local church emphasis. Hey, we have, oh yeah, sin is like, it's, it's, man, it's bad out there. But what, what about all the things that God has given us to fight that? 
What about all the advantages that God has given us to say, hey, you know what? We're going on. Noah trained children in a godless society. I see number two. Noah's child rearing was countercultural. Noah's child rearing was countercultural. You say, preacher, what are you talking about? Noah had something that a lot of parents don't have. All right. He had the guts to go against the flow of his culture. I'm sure Shem, Ham, and Japheth came home from school one day and said, Daddy, can we do this? And Noah said, no, son, you're not doing that. Well, Daddy, how come we can't do that? And Noah probably, if he was like my dad, said something like this. First of all, because I said so. And then Shem, Ham, and Japheth may have said something like I said at one time. But, Dad, everybody's doing it. And then Noah's reply, as my dad's reply was to me, no, son, everybody's not doing it. Because you're not doing it. <laughs> but you know what Noah had? He had some backbone. He had some guts. He had some grit. He had the wherewithal inside of him to look at the ebb and flow of the world and say, no, we're not doing that. We're not going there. We're not drinking that. We're not kowtowing to that. Just because they said it's right doesn't mean it lines up with what God said. And we're not doing it if God doesn't think it's right. He had the guts to go against the flow of culture. He had the will to say no. The will to say no. If we're going to go against the culture as we should, if we're going to be countercultural dads in our child rearing, we're going to have to learn to say a very simple yet very profound word and say it often. No. No. We're going to have to say no to the whims of Hollywood. There's something... There, there's a lot of things about Hollywood that bother me. One of the things is the, the feminization of the American man. The, the feminization of the American man. God help us. God help us. With the, whether it's the trends of dress or the trends of, of, of whatever, God give us some men in America who will stand, who, stand against the tide of what is popular in the world to do, stand up and be a man for crying out loud. Say no to the whims of Hollywood. There's so much I could say, and I'll get myself in a lot of trouble if I say about half of it. But, sir, if God wanted you, <laughs> God did not make Adam and Steve. God made Adam and Eve. And they're supposed to look different. And they're supposed to dress different. And they're supposed to talk different. Hey, look, mamas, if you got boys, don't put him, don't put him in something that looks feminine. Bless God, give him some Levi's, amen. Hey, and I ain't talking about the skinny ones either. I've never been a big bell bottoms fan, but it just to stem to, just to go against the grain, I'm tempted to buy some. Hey. Let him look like a boy, act like a boy, <coughs> stink like a boy. Boys are supposed to stink. When they come in from outside, they're not supposed to smell like Chanel number five. They're supposed to smell like dirt. Why? Right, because they're boys. Train them to be boys. They preach that's not very popular in this all unisex movement. It's not designed to be popular, my friend. If you're looking for a popular preacher like that, you'll have to go elsewhere. 
But hey, God said there should be a distinction between man and between woman, and boys all look like boys. And so, thank God, I remember all of our, much of this credit goes to my wife because in the early years, she was at home with him all the time, especially in those preschool years. And, and uh, I mean, they, they, hey, they did everything that was politically incorrect. Cowboys and Indians, cops and robbers, they even had toy guns. Stephen come in with Daniel Boone coonskin hat and a diaper. And that's about it. And he's shooting up everything that moves. Hey, hey preacher, that sounds violent. Exactly. <laughs> God give us some young men. Hey, if we listen to what the filth and the rotten gut that's coming out of Hollywood or Madison Avenue, we're going to train a bunch of effeminate, just a little bit of a circuit breaker between here and here. <laughs> and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Hey, dads, it's up to, it's up to us. It's time the dads of the Lakecrest Baptist Church took your family <coughs> by the horns, as it were, and said, you know what, here's some things we're going to do, some things we're not going to do. Our girls are going to be feminine and modest, and our boys are going to be rough and tumble, Amen. And they're going to look like boys, they're going to act like boys. Hey, teach your boy how to shake a man's hand. <laughs> Nothing worse than going up to shake somebody's hand and think you've got a dead fish in your hand. <laughs> I'm simply saying <coughs> manhood is God-ordained. Womanhood is God-ordained. And there ought to be a clear, distinctive line between the two. Where did I get off track? Oh, yeah, they'll learn to say no. Hey, they're going to, we have to learn to say no to the whims of Hollywood. We have to learn to say no to the filth that comes across television and the Internet that poisons the minds of our kids. Hey, Dad, it's well within your prerogative to go to that box and turn it off. That's right. Hey, it's well within your prerogative to, to, uh, to, to go and pick up Junior's iPod or iPad or whatever it is and make sure that what's coming across there is glorifying to the Lord. It's well within your prerogative. Oh, pastor, I don't want to, I don't want to damage my child's privacy. Somebody needs to damage your privacy. <laughs> By the way, sometimes, mom and dad, it means saying no to our kids. And you know what? That might be the hardest thing of all. To look at your flesh and blood and their God-given eyeball and say, no, we're not going there. We're not going. You say, Pastor, that's difficult. I'm not saying it's easy, but I'm saying it's necessary. No. Noah, I'm way off track here. Noah trained children in a godless society. Noah trained his kids counterculturally. Then I want you to see number three. Noah influenced his kids to follow in his footsteps. One of the greatest things about Noah, I believe, in looking at his life as a whole, and by the way, one of Noah's sons made a, or one of Noah's uh, grandsons and sons made a, made a drastic error a little bit later in his life. But while he was living under Noah's care, I believe that Noah had some control in his home. And Noah influenced his kids to follow in his footsteps. His faith was genuine. Noah was the real deal. 
I believe with all my heart, Noah wasn't one way at church and another way at home. There wasn't, it wasn't Noah the usher or Noah the Sunday school teacher or Noah the bus captain and then there's the other Noah that we all know and love at home who lets everything go. I don't think that was, I don't think that was the case. Noah was a man of faith and his faith proved to be the real deal wherever he was. He was, his stand was consistent. Noah influenced his children to follow in his footsteps. Number four, his walk with God was obvious to his children. Look back at Genesis chapter 6 with me, if you will. Genesis chapter number 6. Genesis chapter number 6. we got to hasten here. Y'all got me on the, on the tangent there, and it's all your fault. <laughs> Genesis chapter 6, verse number 9. These are generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. Notice what it says, and Noah walked with God. You know who the, who the firsthand eyewitnesses of Noah's walk with God were? The family. The family. It was obvious to Shem, Ham, and Japheth that their daddy walked with God. There was something different about him. By the way, these were grown adult men. Bible says that Noah was 500, 500 years old when he started building the ark. I understand life expectancies were much different then before the flood than they are right now. But Noah, in, in his day, was past his, he was in his middle years in our way of thinking when, as, when God gave him the instructions to build the ark. And yet Noah's adult sons respected and admired Noah enough to say, Daddy, we're with you. Hey, we're with you, Dad. Hey, God told you to do something. By the way, God didn't come to Shem, Ham, and Japheth. I doubt seriously they heard the voice of God when God gave the instructions to build the ark. I believe that, that was to Noah and to him alone. But they had enough faith, they had enough confidence in the walk that Noah had with God. They had enough faith in their dad's faith to say, you know what? If God told daddy to do it, then bless God, count us in. May, may all of our children look at, look at us with that kind of respect. May our walk with God be that real in the eyes of those who follow us to say, hey, you know what? I don't necessarily understand it all, but count me in because I believe that that man, dad, has a connection with God. That's the way it ought to be. And then the last thing this morning, I hasten. Noah worked toward the salvation of his children. Don't miss how I worded that. Noah worked toward the salvation of his children. I did not say that Noah saved his kids. I said Noah worked toward the salvation of his children. That big old boat in the backyard at Noah's house, that boat was going to save those boys' lives. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7 says that he, he prepared to the saving of his house. That's what he was working for. Now, wait a minute. When the, day, when, when the time come when God said, okay, it's time to get on the boat, guess what? Ham could have said, Dad, all due respect, I'm staying here. Shem could have said, Dad, I love you, but I'm not getting on that boat. Japheth could have said, Dad, you're a good man, but I'm not getting on that boat. You see, if those boys were going to be saved from the flood, they had to make that conscious choice to get on that boat themselves. But I'll tell you what Noah did do. He said, I'll do everything in my power, every nail that I drive, every ounce of tar and pitch that's going to waterproof this boat and keep it afloat one day. Everything that God has told me to do, I'm going to do it and I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. Why? Because my family's at stake. 
we work toward the salvation of children. God give us some parents who say, you know what, I can't get saved for my kids. I can't, I can't bring them to a point where they, I can't make them get saved. I can't force them to trust Christ. But I'll tell you what I can do. I can make sure they come through those doors every time they squeak. I'll tell you what I can do. I can make sure that I do everything I can to make sure that, that there's a consistency. Oh, I'm not perfect and I make mistakes, but there's a consistency of dad at home versus dad at church. And I can't make him get saved, but I can put him in a Sunday school class and I can entrust him to a teacher that loves him and I can give him the Bible and I can sing Jesus loves me to him and I can, I, I can, I can give him Bible principles and I can say, now look, son, wine is a mocker and strong drink is raging and, and I can point him to the word of God and say, hey, that's all I can do, but I can do that. I can do that. Noah built a boat, and he worked toward the salvation of his children. Sometimes, parents, I think we fail to see how important being a parent really is. It's not a nuisance. It's a joy. It's a high calling. It's not far down the list of our responsibilities Yes, I know, Dad, you have to go to work and you have to make a living. In fact, the Bible says if you don't go to work and you don't, if you don't provide for your own, you're worse than an infidel. That's the Bible. God said that. But being a father, yes, it's providing, and yes, it's keeping a roof over their head and shoes on their feet and clothes on their back and food on their table. But there's another side of being a father, too. And it's called doing everything you can to the salvation of your children. No, you can't get saved for them. No, you can't trust Christ on their behalf. You don't get saved by proxy. <laughs> Somebody doesn't get saved on your behalf so that you go, no, no, that's not the way it works. But dads, we can do all we can to work toward the day when that spiritual light comes on in their heart and they say, you know what, I need Jesus. We can work toward that day when they buy in and say, you know what, that's not just my daddy's Bible, that's my Bible. We can look forward and work, work toward that day when, when, uh, uh, when they formulate their own, their, their Bible-based standards. Look, nobody lives somebody else's standards for a lifetime, but we can, we can work toward the day and teach and train and, and, and live in such a way and pray and ask God to shed his grace upon our children and say, hey, that's my Bible, and those are my standards, and that's my Bible, and that's my Jesus, and that's my church, and that's the life I'm going to live because that's what I choose. I know. Not exactly what you thought you were getting on Father's Day. But sometimes we just need to hit the reset button and say, you know what? This is big time. This is big league right here. Our, hey, our nation's at stake. Our church is at stake. Our homes are at stake. And guess what? God came to Adam a long time ago and said, Adam, <coughs> you are my representative in that home. Adam, that doesn't make you any better than Eve. In fact, Eve was made from a rib from Adam's side. They're made to stand side by side. He did not say, Adam, <coughs> you're to lord over your wife and be the boss, so to speak. He said, you are my representative in that home. Adam, I expect you, you answer to me for your home. And man, that's what God has for us. 
we give an account to God Almighty for our parents. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed.